Amen. Can we ask you all to, to find your seats? For those of you who are at home right now, uh, you get your seat on your couch and get a good blanket out. It's kind of a cold day out there today. And we're so glad that you were able to join us this morning. All those who are sitting at home right now, being able to watch this at home, we're so grateful for the technology that allows us to, to, to bring uh, the service to you today live and in person. And if you're re-watching it or you're watching it on demand, hey, we're so glad you could join us as well. There's no accidents here. And we believe that. And all those that are here today in the church, hey, so grateful to see all of you. There's some new faces here. You are so welcome. We love our visitors. Can we just give a hand to everybody? Because you guys are just so awesome. Um, my name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Life Church. And along with my wife, Tanya, and Pastor Mike and Ev, we serve this church. And we are so grateful to serve this church. I, I'm, in a, I'm a serious church. I'm not just making this up. There's not a week that goes by that Tanya and I don't look at each other and go, can you believe we get to do this? Can you believe we get to do this? And we are so grateful for the opportunity to serve you as your pastors. And this morning, church, I am so excited about this word because I feel like God has already preached the word this morning. The word that I'm about to, to give you this morning is a word that has already been spoken to you throughout the morning and it just confirms what God is doing and what he's saying right now. And for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, we're in a series right now in the book of Ephesians, and we've been going through, uh, we've gone through three different sections already, and today we're getting into the fourth section. If, if you recall, uh, some of the, just a little bit of a, a, a catch-up for you, um, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians that we're studying today, uh, is called a celebration of Christ's saving power. And we spent the first uh, sermon talking about the benefits of serving Jesus. And we talked about this, this great worship, uh, uh, this great worship song, really, that, that uh, Paul was writing to the Ephesians to say, hey, come on, get excited because this is the benefit of serving God. And he was telling everybody, hey, he is great, and this is what this means. And then the following week, my wife did a masterful job of speaking to us about taking that knowledge from our head and bringing it down into our heart. You might know this to be true, but do you know this? in your spirit. And then last week, Pastor Mike talked about that walk of faith, about that walk that we have in him, that we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. And if we were to continue on this week, we're going to start in uh, uh, chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to verse 11. And as you're turning there, if I were to say there was a theme this week, it's this idea of what are we going to do with this grace? What are the effects of the grace that God has given us? And one of the big effects that we're going to discuss today is the effect of unity. Somebody say unity. Now church, we love a good unity story. I don't know about you, I love a good unity story. Unity always brings the feels to me. I don't know about you. I was telling Tanya this last night, I remember uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, Hollywood began to come out with a lot of Christian movies. They realized that there was another genre that they could try and, you know, put movies out about, and so they put out all these different Christian movies, and what they would often do is they would get, you know, B-list actors, and then they'd put like one A-list actor with these movies, and Tanya and I started renting them, and, you know, DVDs back in the day, right, prior to Netflix. And so we would rent them, and we'd bring them home, and so we had to watch it, and, um, and we would watch it, and I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of it was pretty cheesy. And there was some pretty, I'm just being honest, they've gotten way better. They're incredible now. But back in those days, like early 2000s, it was still a little bit cringeworthy. And I remember watching it and kind of like, oh man, and oh, and you know, but we rented it, we're going to watch the whole thing. And you know what happened in all of these movies, you guys? Is regardless of how cheesy they were, at the end of the movie, they would have two characters who were at odds with each other throughout the entire movie. 
And at the end of the movie, there would be a scene where there would be an apology and a forgiveness and a reconciliation in every single one of these movies. And I kid you not, in every single one of these movies, I'd be sitting there at the end of the movie, snotting and crying. And it wasn't even that good. But the theme of reconciliation, the theme of unity in the midst of hostility speaks to our hearts and speaks to our spirits. And there's something deep within that grabs us with that message. It's a powerful message. It's a powerful message. Come on, we, you, you know what it's like to be unified around a common goal. You know what it's like to be unified around a common team, right? You go to the Canucks game and you cheer on the Canucks and you're all kind of different people from different backgrounds, but you're all going after one thing. I'll never forget in 2010 um, when Sidney Crosby scored the golden goal. And if you watch YouTube videos of that all across Canada, it's, it's inspiring. It makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up as, as people all across the nation in various places cheered together as a nation for a goal. Well, how many know that we have something that's much more worthy of celebration? We have something. We, we have something that we ought to be celebrating together. And this, this, this thing, this, 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 this movement, this person whose name is Jesus... If I were to summarize the message today, I would summarize it this way. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. He is Lord of all people, and we are united under His Lordship. He is Lord of all, and we are united under His Lordship. Let's go to the Word of God. This morning, how we're going to approach this is we're going to read it. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Some of the language in here and some of the way that this is written might not mean a whole lot to you, but I promise you it will in just a few moments. So hang with me because there's some treasure this morning that we're going to dig for that God has for us, okay? We're going to read the Scripture. Then we're going to pull out some themes from this today. I'm going to give you a little bit of a historical context. Then I'm going to give you about three points. Just a heads up. There are some sub points. So just so you know, I'm not pulling the rug out from under you. There will be some sub points today. Uh, but we're going to get to three points today. And that's how we're going to approach the scripture today. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 22. This is what it says. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Oh, I love this part. For He Himself is our peace, who has made made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, that is the law of, of, of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in Himself one new man from two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints 
and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Christ alone, cornerstone, right? Uh, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for your word. God, we thank you that it is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is the foundation that we build our lives upon, Lord God. We are grateful that it will accomplish what it is set out to do. It will not return void. And God, we pray this morning that your word would plant good seeds in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would, um, Lord God, flow through me this morning and speak through me, I ask in Jesus' name. I pray that you'd give me an unction to preach uh, and, and you'd help me to do it, Lord God, in a way that is concise and clear and quick. And everybody who agreed with that said, amen. Amen. Nobody likes a long preach. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I grew up in the church. I can joke about that a little bit. Uh, all right. So what's going on here, you guys? What, did, did, did that kind of just feel a little bit dense to some of you? I, I know when I read it, even it just kind of feels a little bit like there's a lot there and, and what's really going on. Well, to give you a historical context here, who is Paul talking to? Paul is writing to the Ephesians who, for the most part, were a Gentile people. And what he's saying is that there is a wall of separation that has been in place for hundreds and thousands of years between two people, the Gentiles and the Jews. And this wall, you know, when I, when I thought about this and I, and I even just first looked at it, it's like, oh yeah, there was that wall and, you know, there was, there was kind of this, this separation between the Gentiles and the Jews. I know that in the temple, for instance, there was actually a physical separation so that there was actually the, the court of the Gentiles right beside the court of the women. And the Gentiles were not allowed to go from the court of the Gentiles into the court of the women. In fact, um, according to Josephus, there was a sign on that wall that said, uh, foreigners may not enter at pain of death. So it was pretty serious. Okay, then check this out. I looked it up in a commentary to find out, you know, what what they had to say about this. And this is from William Barclay's commentary. And I was so shocked by this that I actually want to read it to you this morning. Okay? And this is what he says. The Gentiles were called the uncircumcision by those who laid claim to the circumcision, which is a physical and man-made thing. This was the first of the great divisions. Now check this out. The Jew had an immense contempt for the Gentile. They said that the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. Yeah, right? That God loved only Israel of all the nations that he had made, that the best of the serpents crushed, the best of the Gentiles killed. It was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile woman in childbirth, for that would bring another Gentile into the world. The barrier between the Jew and the Gentile was absolute. If a Jew married a Gentile... The funeral of that Jew was carried out. Such contact with a Gentile was the equivalent of death. Even to go into a Gentile's house rendered the Jew unclean. Before Christ, the barriers were up. After Christ, the barriers were down. See, we're not just talking about, you know, a nice little wall. And you're over here. And you're over here. No, no. We are talking, in the book of, of, of Ephesians, in the NLT version, it calls it a wall of hostility. Like, there was like straight up hatred between these two groups. 
There was like this, this generational hatred that existed between them. And what Paul is trying to say to the Ephesians is, is, listen, you were once on this side, but when Christ came, he broke down that wall that divided you, and now you are over here because you are going in the same direction, and you are pursuing me, who is Jesus. See, how did he break down the wall? How did Jesus break down this wall of hostility between the two? How did he do it? By being glorified high above the wall. See, Philippians 2.9, the pastor uh, Mike read earlier, it's not up there, but it says this, Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is high above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of those in heaven, and of those on the earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, before Christ there was a truth. There was a truth that there was a separation and a division between the Jews and the Gentiles. But after Christ, there was a greater truth that He is Lord of all. And because He is Lord of all, He is lifted high up above these political systems that exist on earth. And He is Lord. And that truth overrides this truth. Because He is more powerful than this truth. He is more powerful than this The disciples and others were constantly showing their expectation that Jesus uh, would come to overthrow an earthly government. They were constantly coming to say to him, listen, um, you know, uh, is this when you're going to establish your kingdom? Is this when you're going to try and, you know, do your thing here on, on this earth? And Jesus kept coming back to them and saying, my kingdom is not of this earth. I'm doing something greater. I'm doing something higher. I'm doing something that is far beyond what you see here. So today I'm going to ask the question, and we're going to answer it from the scripture. I'm going to give you three thoughts here about what are the effects of his lordship. If he is lord of all, and he has broken down the wall of hostility, how does that impact our lives today? What are the effects of his lordship? Number one, unity in Christ. dramatic water break. Like, what is he doing? Exactly. <laughs> Unity in Christ. We're going to zero in here on a passage in Ephesians 2. That we just read 2.14 in the NLT. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. So we know about this wall that existed in the historical context between the Gentiles and the Jews. But what kind of walls do we face today in our world? We face all sorts of different walls. In fact, I would argue that in my lifetime, I have never lived in a time where I felt like there's so much division in the world around us. We have racial barriers. Uh, we have economic barriers. We have ethnic barriers. Our backgrounds. We have barriers of sin. We have barriers of addiction. And we have political barriers. Church, I'm seeing it all around me that walls are rising up. There is a division that exists all around us. And I just want to say this about these differences in, for instance, if we were to take something like um, uh, economic barriers... Being united in Christ doesn't mean that we sweep these differences under the rug. 
But instead, it means that the reality of the lordship of Christ is powerful enough to unite us in spite of these differences. Since we are all moving in the same direction towards Jesus. Church, He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord of all people, and we are united under His Lordship. We are united under His Lordship. Do you see that picture? I love to say it this way. The Jesus who unites us is greater than the issues that divide us. Yes, you are, Lord! Right? And we're unified in Him. I want to give you some sub-points here. Three ways. This is the only sub-points. Just a heads up. Three ways that we're unified in Him. Three ways that we're unified in Christ. Number one, we have a shared identity. Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus Himself, according to the goodwill of His pleasure. And if you'll remember, and for those who weren't with us in the first sermon, we talked about the idea um, in the historical context of adoption in those days being that you were adopted into a new family and your past was literally wiped away and you became a new person. This is what happens to us in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, uh, Paul says it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, let me just say it this way. Christianity is not a pleasant philosophy that we include with our other philosophies in life. Okay, it's not just something that we, we bring in and, and make it a part of, oh yeah, I, I work out, that's my workout philosophy, my health philosophy. Oh, and then I, I invest, that's my, my financial philosophy. Oh, and then I've got my spiritual thing over here, so you know, I'm, I'm checking all the boxes. No, 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 the whole idea is when you come to God, you come and die and become a new creation. My everything is in Him. He is Lord. He is Lord. Come on. And now, what does it become? It becomes our primary identity. See, we all come with our own identities, with our own things, with our own backgrounds, with, with you know, different, different experiences in life. But when we come to Jesus, he becomes our primary identity. And that informs everything else that we do. So I'm a, I'm a dad. It's my identity. But actually, my primary identity is follower of Jesus. And that informs my fatherhood. Right? So, so I'm, I'm a musician, right? I'm a musician. That's my thing. That's my identity. I find myself in that. But my primary identity is follower of Jesus. And so that informs my musicianship. Right? Come on. Come on. I used to try and, try and be cool. And I used to say, yeah, I'm going to be like a surfer, man. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like the surfer dude. Yeah, but guess what? Your primary identity is follower of Jesus. And it informs everything else that you do. Your primary identity. So we have a shared identity, church. Man, if you come here today and you don't know this, you don't know this Jesus, you can know him today. And you can be changed by him. And he can give you a new identity. The Bible says we become a new creation in him. All things have become new. God has reconciled us to himself. It says it in, in, even in the passage we just read that we become members of God's family, is what he says to the Gentiles. It's a new identity. It's a shared identity. Before they were, in the historical context, Gentiles and Jews, and now they're followers of Jesus. Right? 
followers of Jesus. What's another thing that we have in common? Oh, this is so good. We have a shared salvation. Hey, you want to talk about walls. The one wall that I know that we've all faced is the wall of sin. We've all faced the wall of sin in our attempt to seek God, in our attempt to seek His face. There's a wall that has been there for all of us. And and in Isaiah 59 verse 2 it says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that you will not hear. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when we talk about death, we're not just talking about a physical death. There's also a spiritual death where you are separated from God. And that's what our sins do, church, is they separate us from him. And I want to show you a picture of what Jesus does when he comes into our lives. From this passage in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9. This is one of my favorites. Do you not know, Paul says, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, no homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's heavy. Okay, we're done, so let's go home now and live that out. No. That's heavy. Why would Paul say that? That's so mean. Like, come on. Nikki. <laughs> uh, like, really, we're, I'm hooped, right? Like, idolater, I've definitely put things above God in my life at times. I know that. You know, adultery, if anyone looks at a woman with less than his heart, he's already committed adultery with her, is what Jesus says. So by re- redefinition of adultery, well, I don't know. My goodness, what are we going to do? But this is not a message of condemnation. Because Paul comes with a message of grace. We are saved by grace through faith. Here's what he says. If, if it's stopped there, we are all hooped. We can just go home and hang our heads now. But this is what he says. And such were some of you. But you were washed. And you were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Boom! Right? Come on, and such were some of you. Church, if you don't know this, we share something in common. We are all saved by grace through faith. Not of works lest any of us should boast. We can't stay, I can't stand here today and say, listen, the reason I'm preaching to you today is because I have been reading my Bible at least an hour a day since I was five years old. And no, 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 no. It's only because of his grace. It's only because of what Christ has done in me. You can look at the person beside you and you can say, I'm here because of Jesus. Why don't we do that right now? Look at the person beside you. I am here because of Jesus. Come on, it's nothing that we've done. It's Christ in us. We have a common shared salvation. Okay, next one. A shared purpose. We have all been given the purpose of living a life that glorifies God. Come on, we have a shared purpose. So not only do we have a shared identity, we are primarily followers of Jesus. Not only do we have a shared salvation, we are all sinners saved by grace. 
None of us can boast in ourselves. We can all boast in Jesus. But we also have a shared purpose. We have all been given the purpose of living a life that glorifies God. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. Life Church, what is our purpose? What is our purpose statement? We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. That's our purpose statement. We have a united pur- purpose. Listen, Life Church, we are all unique individuals who come from different backgrounds, have different political views, have different ethnic backgrounds, but we have something in common. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Are you with me? Okay, we're going to skim through. The, we got the two more here, guys. You're doing great. So that, those are the only subpoints. just so we're all clear. I'm not going to ambush you with any more. Okay, number two. What are the effects What are the effects of the lordship of Jesus? We have unity is the first one. That unity in Christ. The second one is this, peace in Christ. Peace in Christ. Come on, Ephesians 2.14 says it this way. He himself is our peace. Church, we live in a world today that needs to know this. I, I, my world needs to know this. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Come on, lift up your... You've got a line inside of those bones. Come on, you've got to know this. Peace. Peace. What does this mean? Being God means that He is first. He is preeminent. He is the highest and the greatest. And what his kingdom represents, and that his agenda will prevail, is where we find our peace. Not in the political systems of this world. Not in the political systems of this world. Can I just get real with you? The season that we find ourselves in today ought to be a gut check for us as believers. Because it's easy to say something like this when there's no opposition and there's no controversy. But can we live that today in the times that we find ourselves in? Oh, it's easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to get caught up in everything that's going on here. And I, and I go back to what I talked about kind of on the first day. We talked about this idea of, um, you know, Paul speaking to the Ephesians and opening his letter by saying to those in Ephesus and to those in Christ. And we talked about this idea of having a physical location and also a theological location. And my question for you again today is which location are you allowing to influence you? Do you know he really is our peace he is lord i want to tell you a a, a quote here but i'm going to give you a little bit of a background on it because i just this is so powerful um it's a quote by somebody by the name of betsy tenboom anybody ever heard of her if cory tenboom sir you nailed it yeah yeah yeah. and so cory tenboom and betsy tenboom um were dutch sisters during world war ii who famously hid um, uh, Dutch resistance fighters as well as Jewish people from the Nazis. And they were caught, and they were taken into captivity and put into concentration camps. And even in the concentration camps, if you read the story, it's powerful, they continued to worship God and host services in their, um, in their barracks. And, and Betsy, for whatever reason, just seemed to have this indomitable faith. 
Betsy was older, the older of the two, and she suffered from some diseases and had always had health issues throughout her life. And of course, being in the camps only exacerbated those issues. And as time went on, she began to get weaker and weaker and weaker. And the story goes that she was laying on a bed in the barracks um, on a stretcher, and Corey Ten Boom had to lean down, her little sister had to lean down to hear what she was trying to say because she was trying to speak to her. And Betsy Timboom reached up to her and said this, We must tell people what we have learned here. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been here. Church, do you believe that? There is no pit that he is not deeper still. Church, he is Lord. He is Lord over all people. And we unite under his lordship. We unite under his lordship. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. Don't worry, in the New Living Translation, about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, I've got to throw out a Corey Ten Boom quote at you. She says this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. He is our peace. Can I call you back, church? Call you back to him. That's why it's so important that we are disciplined with our time with the Lord. Because I'll tell you what, what happens is we start to drift away from him. And inevitably, we end up in a place where we forget this truth. And if you're here this morning and you're hearing this truth and it's becoming alive to you for the first time, that's the grace of God working in you today to remind you that he is your peace. God is here. Okay, last but not least, let's close this. Number three, the effects of his lordship. His unity in Christ, peace in Christ. And finally, we're going to circle back around to something we talked about earlier. We have purpose in Christ. We have purpose in Christ. God gives us a functional purpose. And here's how he says it in the book of Ephesians. Having been built on the foundation, Ephesians 2 verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong, in the Savior's love, through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also, you also, you all, you also are being to built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What does this mean? You are the body of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to give you a little bit of an, an image of what this looks like in reality, okay? What this means is that we live this, we carry this kingdom, we carry this truth as us into the world around us. And it ought to impact the people around us. People ought to be coming up to us saying, what's different about you? Where do you have so much peace? Where does that come from? It doesn't come from us. It comes from the fact that Jesus is Lord. 
We are uh, those that are set up to glorify his name. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, when I was younger, I had the opportunity to travel um, extensively throughout the world, and I was able to go to a lot of great cathedrals in Europe. And when I was young, um, I would walk into these cathedrals, and I looked at them from a historically, um, um, historical perspective about how, you know, the impact that they had on, on the world at that time. But I also looked at them, to be honest with you, through eyes of judgment. And I'd think, oh man, this opulence, this religiosity, how dare they? You know, and you look at all these, like, opulent buildings, and you're like, oh, come on, man. Like, you're missing the real point. It's about Jesus. It's not about these buildings. And, and I had this real, like, judgmental way of viewing these things until... Um, I took a group of interns out to Ottawa, and we got a chance to go to the Notre Dame Cathedral, which is right beside the Parliament Hill there. You go to the right, and it's right over there. And they, this, this classic church, this Catholic church that was built, uh, it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous building in Canada. And I got to walk into it, and I, get, I went in with my, my you know, religiosity glasses on, and I was like, oh boy, these people again with this religion, blah, 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 blah. Until <laughs> God began to shift my perspective. And I felt like the Holy Spirit got a hold of me in that moment and, and, and stopped me. And I looked up at a, at a railing in the church that had been ornately carved. And God said, you don't know the motive of that carpenter. You don't know if he knew that he was doing something with his gift that could give glory and honor to God. And you don't know if he, if he, what he was carving that, he was singing the songs and the hymns that he had known since he was a child. And he was saying, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to glorify God with the gift that he's given me. And suddenly I started to look at these buildings in a, in a new way. And maybe they're opulent, maybe they're a little bit overkill. But the people that put them together, what if their heart was for him? What if it was to glorify him in everything that they did? What if that statue was a sign of the gift that somebody, God had given to somebody and it was their opportunity to, to use their gift for his glory? You know, what if, what if that ornate door was something that somebody had put together in design because God gave them a gift of design and so they were using it for his glory? Church, you are the temple. You are the body of Christ. And what God desires of us is that we would use the gifts and the things that he's put inside of us for His glory. We live to see Him glorified. We live as a testimony that He is Lord over all. And so there is a divine purpose. And I'm going to ask Tanya to come back to the piano here as we close. Because if God really is Lord of all, if he really is above and beyond everything that we can see, then I would argue that one of our greatest purposes right now as a church is to pray. Is to pray. Louis Giglio says this, if we could see what happens when we pray, we would never cease to pray. Church, I want to remind you today that Jesus who unites us is greater than the issues that divide us. This is true in Canada right now. This is true on the global stage right now. The events that we see going on around us do not change the fact that he is Lord of all.
that he is Lord over all people, and we are united under his lordship. Amen? Amen. Just as a change of posture here as we close the service, if we could just ask that you would stand with us today. We're going to sing that, that classic hymn today. Turn your eyes to Jesus. And then I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the nation of Canada. I'm going to pray uh, for, for the nation of Ukraine. I'm going to pay, pray for the, even the nation of Russia that God would be glorified and lifted up and that his peace would reign and rule in these circumstances. Amen. sing turn your eyes Jesus Christ. As your people, we come before you this morning, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, and first of all, we come and we lay our burdens down. You said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so this morning, Lord God, we come to you, Lord Jesus, and we cast our cares upon you because we know that you care for us. And Father, this morning we come and we, as a sign of of our faith that you are God and that you are in charge, we lay those things down at your feet right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you this morning, Lord God, that you are Lord, that you are God and you are King. Father, we thank you that you are Lord in this church. Father, you are Lord in this city. God, you are Lord in this province. Father, you are Lord in this nation. And Father, we pray, God, that your Lordship would be established in this nation, Lord God. We pray that there would be a peace that would rise up. We pray, God, of justice that you would come as you are the one who will bring justice. You are the great judge. And our hope is in you, Lord God. It's not in an earthly political system, Lord Jesus. Our hope is in the mighty God who rules and reigns over all the earth. And Father, we ask right now, Lord Jesus, for the nations that are at war, Lord God, and we're only aware right now 
uh, because of what's happening, of what's happening right now in Ukraine, but I know there's things like this going on all around the world. So Lord, we pray first of all for the situation in Ukraine. Oh God, we pray that you would come with your Holy Spirit. God, that you would lead and guide those leaders, Lord Jesus. Father God, we pray, God of justice, that you would come and bring justice. And Father God, we pray for protection for the body of Christ. We pray that in the midst of this this fight, Lord God, this war, Lord God, that the body of Christ would rise up on both sides. And that the world would see that there is a unity that goes beyond the borders. And God, that people would see, Lord God, the greatness of our God, that you in fact are Lord, and there is none like you. Father God, we pray for peace in that region. And we pray for protection for the people. And we zoom out even more, God, and we pray for this earth. We pray for those right now that are struggling, Lord God. Lord Jesus, with addiction. Those that are struggling with poverty, Lord God. Those that are struggling today with hunger, Lord Jesus. And we pray, God of peace, come have your way. Use the body of Christ, Lord God, as your hands and feet to bring life and justice to those who are lost and broken and hurting. Holy Spirit, come and fill this land. Fill this earth with your presence. We thank you that you are Lord of all. You are Lord over all people. And we unite around you. We love you, Lord. And I pray for each one today as we leave this place that you would go before them. God, that you would prepare the way for them, Lord Jesus, and that they would sense your presence in everything that they do. Thank, remind us today, Lord God, that we are carriers of your kingdom. And help us to use the gifts that you've given us to glorify you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be the first thing that we think about in the morning, the last thing we think about when we go to bed at night, so that we could be reminded that there is a peace that passes understanding. And there's a peace that goes beyond the things that we see. God, we rely on that peace. Let it flood our hearts. Let it impact the world around us, we ask. We ask this now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.